Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast. I'm Chris Batchelor. I'm Tara Parker. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tara? I'm good. This is the newsroom. Still have COVID brain? I'm about as over COVID as, as one can be. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy with all the the new stuff that's coming out. It's it's more interesting than the old stuff that had been coming out. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of found out about schools and we're slowly getting all the details there. Yeah, that's, God, I never thought I'd get so much information from a school in such a short amount of time. <laughs> they, uh, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about over all the communication there too. They have been good at, at giving us information. It's not always information we want but or want to hear, right. but we're getting it. Yeah, so what are your kids going to do? Are they staying home or what did, what did, what did your school system decide uh, to do? They're going to school, but I haven't heard yet if they, last I heard they were mulling over a split option where they would go uh, to school two days a week and then do virtual for three. Um, so oh. I haven't seen what they finally decided on, but whatever it is, right, we'll, we'll figure it out. I think they were talking about doing that for the first month and then reevaluating. So who knows what they'll really uh, want to do, but um, yeah, it, it's going to be different no matter what happens. You know, I think it's going to be diff- different with all the schools. Um, the school system my kids are in, you had the option of being in school full time or being at home full time. Yeah. And so, and you can swap if one doesn't work out for you. So mm. I, I talk to my kids, they're going to school. They, that's what they want to do. So we're going to try that and cool. see what happens. But crazy though, that it's, it's all going to be so different. And I, I can imagine what some parents are trying to get through with this kind of thing yeah, well, out there now. I think a lot of parents count on their kids going to school so they can work and mm-hmm. um, you know, I've saw that some places were looking at hiring private teachers where, you know, a couple of parents will get together and hire a private teacher. And then that's creating a, um, they say that they're, they're worried that'll create a gap for uh, folks that can't afford to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. Not everybody can afford to do that. And um, my kids have brought up a really interesting point when we were talking about what, what their desire was. And they said that they were kind of excited about the idea that some kids would not be at school because it might kind of break up some of the, the social groups that are in school. Uh, so yeah. some of the cliques might that. kind of disperse. And yeah, I was really kind of surprised when they brought that up to me saying, you know, they're going to, they're excited to see less bullying of other kids, less conflict. So they're, they're looking forward to, um, to some of the, some of the things that they're not going to see, they hope. So I thought that was a really interesting point that they had, they had shared with me. So I, and I'm not, I'm not sure too many kids are thinking of it that way. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And what I think is interesting is to see what happens uh, with education here moving on, right? Like, I think that there's opportunities yeah. to change how we do things uh, in education, and now is a perfect opportunity. So, I've heard yeah. the comment that a lot of kids, especially at the end of last school year, have said, "Well, you know, schools only require me to go to school like an hour and a half now instead of six or seven hours," and yeah. you know, so they're kind of discounting the the extra time in school. So. <laughs> Uh, and, and not that that's not valuable. Right. But I think that there's ways that we can think about doing this differently where maybe kids don't go to school 
um, for the full time. Maybe they do some sort of on the job learning or, or something the other part of the time. Well, you know, and would that be such a bad thing to, you know, on the job learning to, to build off of that? If there was a way to incorporate some sort of work ethic development, I know there's those programs that are there, but this gives the opportunity to really try to encourage it like business courses through working at the local McDonald's or, you know, what have you, mm -hmm. but some sort of partnerships between the, the schools, which would have to go to the state level, because if it's a public school, you know, that curriculum is pretty much passed down at the state level. Um, any teachers out there that are listening to us, you can email us and correct us, but I'm, I'm sure there's like, like I said, there's opportunity for a lot of cool changes here. If they would, um, kind of just go for it. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm not super hopeful that anything will change, but uh, <laughs> well, the yeah. opportunity certainly is there. Yeah, yeah, it is. We'll see what happens. So what else have we got going on in the newsroom today? What's, what is this seeds from China what? thing that you brought forth? Tara, are you ready? Uh, have you gotten any weird packages in the mail? I mean, normally the only packages I get that are weirder from Amazon, and I usually initiate that relationship with Amazon so but <laughs> what is going Amazon on? doesn't send you too much un unannounced right usually but I get excited when they do just in case my my you favorite picture that I saw last week was a picture of a of a house and a doormat and it said um Amazon please hide from husband and it has the box <laughs> yes. underneath this you know they they put the they put the uh, the doormat on top of the box, but I mean you can clearly yeah. see the box, right? Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's an awesome idea. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. But that's an awesome idea. Well, that, uh, so apparently people don't have to worry about uh, Amazon, but they are getting random packages from China that contain seeds. Um, is it so? This is a thing. I think I've seen memes about it on Facebook, and I just thought it was some sort of COVID joke. Is this a thing? No, this is a thing. This is a thing. So. You know, oh my it's, it's always one of those, you know, you got to kind of follow the money, right? Um, and oh but my it, gosh. It's a thing. Um, people are getting mystery seeds from China. Uh, and, and of course, the uh, Ag Department, U.S. Department of Agriculture was saying, you may not want to plant mystery seeds. Like, we don't know what this <laughs> is. Is it, well, that's what... Plant? Is, it, is it something crazy? I mean, coming from China, right? People are mindful right. it could be anything. Um, well, that's funny you mentioned that because that's what those Facebook memes were. They were mystery seeds from China turns into the that Venus flytrap plant from hell yeah. from a, a little shop of horrors. And then I was like, hey, if this is what we get, at least we know what we're dealing with. Right. I mean, that one we can deal. So apparently through the, the magic of science, we have now identified some of these seeds. Um, and they're saying they include mustard, cabbage, morning glory, herbs, uh, <laughs> like mint and sage and rosemary and lavender. Um, and some other seeds are you know, hibiscus and roses. Um, so basically it's, you know, just common everyday stuff. And so that's kind of a relief that it's not some weird, you know, invasive plant that is trying to be spread around. But what's interesting is the reason they sent them. And can you guess why that somebody from China would be randomly sending you some seeds? Active an apology for the COVID thing? I don't know. Not even close. Come on now. <laughs> it's got about got to be about making money, right? Oh, uh, so it's like you plant this and sell it and give us profits. No, what no, is, no. is this some sort of business no. scam? This, it's a pyramid scheme. What they're saying is this is what's called a brushing scam. Uh, and so somebody brushing yeah, scam. So somebody orders something using a fake email address and has it shipped to random people. Um, the package gets delivered. Um, and then the person who placed the order is considered a verified buyer. 
and can leave positive reviews online. So basically, this is a way for fake people to leave real reviews on various things online. So there you go. This is a re- this is for reviews. Yep. So for real, it's kind of genius, like- though, right? I mean, if you're going to have to ship somebody something, seeds are pretty dang cheap. Yeah. Yes. I- <laughs> But for reviews, that's all the more we're going to get out of this. Is there like some sort of financial kickback for the number of positive reviews you get? Or I mean, somebody's got to be making money off of this somewhere. So so overseas, there are you can pay monies and have fake people leave real reviews on your product. So when you go to Amazon, not all the reviews are real. Um, And so Amazon tries to make sure that they're real by making, making you a verified buyer and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what they're doing is that they're, they're trying to get all these fake email addresses set up as verified buyers so they can go leave real reviews on, on real products uh, by fake people. So uh, whenever you read a review and the, uh, and and you read it and you're like, that person really didn't use this product because what they're saying hasn't have anything to do. And <laughs> it doesn't really, and that's done by somebody most likely overseas who's getting paid to leave reviews and they're just getting paid by the review. Right. Yeah. And so there you go. When you buy reviews, you get, oh, you get God. crap, but yeah, if you go read a product and like, there's been some stuff for my camera stuff that, you know, I, I buy it based on, no, oh, the reviews are pretty good on it. And then you get it and you realize it's a total piece of junk. And you go back and read the reviews and you're like, oh, yeah, they just paid for those, you know, or or they gave away free products and had people um, leave reviews based on receiving a free product. So, um, yeah. Oh, wow. What What a scheme. Yeah. So free seeds. So if you get free seeds, I guess you can plant them, but they're still saying don't plant them just in case it's, you know. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, yeah, my my uh, neighbor was on Facebook talking about how she was her feelings were hurt because two of her friends had received mystery seed packages. And, and I don't know where, and she didn't get any. She wanted her own little Audrey plant because that's the name of the plant from Little Shop of uh-huh. Horrors. And yeah, she was upset she didn't have her own little Audrey too. So it was funny <laughs> as we were driving home, and uh, I said to my son, "Feed me Zemor," and he looked at me like, <laughs> "What?" And I was like, what? "Oh yeah, you haven't seen that movie, so <laughs> we're putting that on the playlist." I made him. That, yeah. I made him watch the uh, previews for it. So, oh my gosh, that's funny. so. We'll we'll Love see. Uh, we'll, we can do a, an episode of Does It Have Legs after yes. after we watch Little Shop of Horrors. So we should. There we we should go. both do that. <laughs> that. Agreed. That'd be fun. So, do you remember back um, a few episodes ago when I said that Biden was going to pick a female mm-hmm. for his running mate? I just want to point out that Ben Shapiro agrees with me. So I have probably called this you one. You go, girl. I'm probably on this one, like white on rice. I'm so good. But uh, yeah, Ben Shapiro suggested um, that a Biden's choice of running mate is between Susan Rice, which I've heard the name. I'm not terribly familiar with her. And as we all know, who Kamala Harris is, is the second person he is um, putting his money on, so to speak. And so he was talking to, I guess, the daily briefing about this and mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people thought Elizabeth Warren would be a top pick. I really didn't. I don't think Fohantas is a good idea for anybody in office, but here she is. Um, but the uh, I was kind of thinking that this whole thing, um, this this candidate, um, or the gosh, where am I going with this? The the vice president candidate would be Kamala Harris. I, I figured it would be a a minority female of some mm-hmm. uh, type, and I figured it would be Kamala Harris that made the most sense, but. Um, my, my thought on that was also, she really tore into Biden several times 
during the Democratic debates. Yeah. And sure enough, in this article, they talk about how she is a bit of a, a liability because of that. She was so dead on against him and, mm -hmm. and really ripped into him. And so, um, but it, at the same time, I'm still standing by the idea that I think if, I think Biden's a Tro Trojan horse. I think they're, the Democrats are just using him to get a Democrat into that high office. If he could get there, something will happen. All of a sudden, he's going to have Alzheimer's or dementia or something about his mentality is going to be called into question. Right. He'll be added, and the vice president will be a female, will be put up into the presidential seat, which is the worst way. I don't want to see a woman become president that way. I want to see her win an election. Because every time I've seen this on all of my little political dramas, it fails miserably. Mm -hmm. the, the, the female president, it just it doesn't do well. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Kamala Harris would be a, a good Robin to Biden's Batman? Well, you know, politics does make strange bedfellows, and uh, <laughs> just cruising around here. It looks like she's endorsed Joe Biden for president. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as she stepped out the race, she did, but she, that's kind of the, one of those have to things because we need someone who reflects the decency and dignity of the American people and who fights for those voices who are often ignored is what her quote is. So, um, that, that doesn't <laughs> sound like it came from her, but Okay. <laughs> Well, does a politician ever speak from the heart? Well, Don't they usually speak I think, from the script? I think her writers wrote that to be very oh, yeah. neutral. And uh, I don't know. I, um, I have a hard time with Joe Biden just because if you, have you watched any of the interviews with him lately? He's painful to watch. I mean, he, he, he's uh, so hard to follow. He, I, I really believe that he's got some cognitive decline going on and that's, that's not, mm -hmm. A left or right thing i think that's you know if you but watch him he's he's clearly got signs of hey not everything's working up there like it used to right and, well that's uh, kind of why i feel like he's the trojan horse that he's just the guy that they want to yeah that, once he's there if he gets there they're taking him out he's not it's like a hillary but successful yeah and uh i mean that's a good theory i think i think that's totally plausible right um but uh, I just need you to say that again because you rarely say my little conspiracy theories are plausible. That's like the first time you've ever admitted <laughs> to one of my conspiracy theories being plausible. I need you to say it again for me. I think that that's a plausible <laughs> theory. Yeah, I think uh, that felt so good. <laughs> I think that's totally plausible. Uh, you know, the the thing that gets me about the Democrats is, you know, of all the people in this country, Joe Biden is the best one that they can come up with. I mean. He wasn't really well, polarizing or, uh, you know, and he no. doesn't, doesn't have a huge following to start with. And he's the, he's the top nominee that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So, well, uh, I mean, if you're going to, if you're just going to kick him out onto the curb, once he moves in, well, and let, let's, he's, the great, he's, the, he's, he's the weakest link to take I out. I mean, when you, when you talk about the democratic nominee, let's talk about the white elephant in the room here. And that's the fact that they picked an old white man, which is the, one demographic that the Democrats supposedly can't stand, right? Or old right. white men. And, uh, you know, I, to me, it just, it, it just doesn't make any it's, sense. It does not it make any stinks. sense. It stinks of bad, bad political karma. Yeah. There's just, but if, it's, it's just bad. But if ever, and that's, he's got to win. And I don't know that he's going to. Yeah. I mean, I just look at the at the Democrats on the left and go, okay, that's the best you got, you, right. you know, like. 
Really? <laughs> but Trump was, the, Trump was the best the Republicans had, sure, too. I mean, he's not the best rhetorician out there. Yeah, I mean, but Trump was the best. You know, not to defend him anyway, but to, the fact is Trump is was the best that the Republicans had as far as energizing the base, right? And yeah. I think the left yeah, has yeah. many more people that are, um, you know, not an old white man that can energize the base, and that's really what they need. Right. Um, well, it's... And I totally agree with that. And they had some really good female front runners that could have, um, I think, really given Trump a run for his money. Yeah. And I'm not, in, not entirely understanding why they were not, you know, spear. They weren't taking to spearhead this this campaign and really make something of it. But instead, you know, and then, again, it just circles right back to my conspiracy theory, which you said, which was plausible. And that's if you put the this insane old white guy up there. You get rid of him once he's in there and because they're not calling nobody on the Democratic side is calling to question his his mental cognizance. Yeah. And, and they won't until it's like, hey, wait a second. We're noticing some things now. Yeah, well, now you're noticing them after he's won. But he has to win. The only way that that whole plan works is he has to win. Right. Surely the Democrats aren't trying to make give Trump an easy win here by putting Biden there. You know, that just it's nobody's happy in the country right now because there's all kinds of political drama on the medical side, on well, the socioeconomic you know, side, everywhere. Uh, the th and I'm, you know, the more I get older or the older I get, I should say, <laughs> the more you get older, the more I get older, the less I become <laughs> a left or right person. Right. The, the older I get, yeah. the more I tend towards the independent or the libertarian yep. viewpoints, you know, and, and I think that libertarian huh. candidates would have a really good shot if they just laid off the talking about weed. You know, they, they make right. they make the drug thing so much of a central part of their, uh, uh, you know, their platform that I think it drives away a lot of people who are actually really close to what they believe. Right. right. I mean, libertarian is is probably as close to being a, you know, uh, apple pie, you know, American that you can get. Right. Basically, you know, their platform yeah. is you leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. You know, we're all and you do your thing and I'll do my thing and, you know, we'll be able to protect our our homes. And, uh, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of Americans that really identify with that. I just think they've had really bad um, public relations people, you know, and they're just focusing on the wrong things. But, you know, the majority of people don't live on the left or right. They live in the middle. You know, it's a statistical, um, you know, distribution that you know, you're going to have 80% of your population are going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, some are going to well, be a little yeah. left, some may be a little right, but for the most part, it, but the problem is now in politics, I think that you can only, only the most uh, crazy ones on the left and right are the ones that are getting any airtime. So from yeah. the media perspective, it looks like everybody's left or everybody's right. And I really don't think that's how the American pipe, you know, people are distributed politically no i don't think it is either i but that's what sells that's what gets pe people like those those ugly things they look exciting they look oh it's like a train wreck people want to look and see despite it being traumatic and probably not okay to look yeah. at they still want to see the the extremes of life because it's makes them feel better about themselves helps them forget about whatever crap they're going through yeah. but well and, and it goes back yeah. to and you know my my whole rant on journalism right i mean um, oh, yeah. You know, if journalists had to, you know, report the left, report the right or report both sides of an issue, um, you know, then we would have very much different things in the media. So, 
Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I think, uh, I think if Biden, you know, if he gets in, which I don't think he has a very good chance of winning, but if he does get in, I think their plan is to, you know, move him out of the way and put somebody else in. Yep. He's a goner. <laughs> One way or another. He found his own suicide <laughs> note. Is that how it works with your Clinton? Well, I mean, he probably keeps them fairly close to keep himself safe. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, you know, we for some reason, we keep getting um, kind of drawn into some of the UK stories, some of the more fun ones, like the little, the tea little um, hassling thing that you brought up a couple weeks ago between the army and the US army and UK army. And I don't know why, but I found something else in the UK that made me chuckle, so I had to bring it into the newsroom. Have you heard about this scaffold that was built around a neighbor's car yeah. because of a parking dispute? This is, yeah, this is awesome. I I, uh, <laughs> I saw this, and it just cracked me up. I mean, so uh, the thing that bothers it, me about the article is they didn't say what the dispute was between the neighbors, but the story here is two neighbors got into an argument. So one guy built a scaffold around this other dude's car. And this, cemented it and in. Cemented it in. It was- and, uh, but the, the story it's does say it has been resolved. So, right. So some, something over the, about the parking space is what they were going back and forth about, I guess. Um, but they're not, nobody's talking, just, they got a picture and probably got as much of the story as they could. But I thought this is hilarious. Can you just imagine coming out to find your car immobilized yeah. because of a scaffold that your, your snarky neighbor built overnight while you were just, I, I love the, the writers must have had fun with this too. Cause it this starts out by saying, talk about getting boxed in <laughs> the metal yeah. frame was held in place by a trailer cemented in place. So yes. yeah, it's that, that just cracks oh me up and it's a, it's a Volkswagen Jetta sport wagon, which I had one yeah. uh, before, oh, yeah. before Volkswagen bought it back for being a dirty diesel. Uh, oh, yeah. kind of a fun car. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, bottom fun. line is don't, yeah. don't pick your neighbors off because you got to live next to them yep. unless you have a trailer <laughs> home and then you can just move it. You got to live there. That's right. So, um, you know, a few, um, we had a couple of astronauts in space and I see something in here about a prank call from the astronauts. Are they the same astronauts that just lifted off a few months back? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, so you know, how, how does an astronaut who's supposed to be having what uh, official conversations complete a prank call while on the clock? Do tell. So I saw this and of course, everybody's been, you know, watching, uh, you know, astronauts, Bob and Doug. Uh, and, Bob and uh, you know, that's that's yep. That's their first names, Bob and Doug. And, and uh, you know, with SpaceX has returned to space. And, you know, I don't think people really understand that this is a really big deal for the country. Like. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for the last, you know, what, 10 years or more, we haven't been able to launch a spacecraft and, and, you know, go up to space on our own. We've relied on the Soviets, you know, which is, right. you know, not that, uh, you know, we're, uh, we, you know, not that we don't like our Soviet buddies. Right. But you want to be able to not have to rely on another country to get you to a space yeah. station that you paid for a big chunk of it. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Um, well, and this was a pretty big deal because we had, um, was it Elon Musk involved in this one with his reusable boosters? Yeah, like I mean, he, so he SpaceX is, is Elon's company, right? Yeah. So Elon owns SpaceX. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, uh, this is a pretty big deal, and they have a they have a contract with NASA, and uh, mm-hmm. and so I mean, you know, these are NASA astronauts, so these are not SpaceX employees. They're 
Bob and Doug work for NASA. Um, you know, so this is a big deal for the country to return return back to space. And unfortunately, travel to space almost became too routine. And so everybody's just like, yeah. yeah, we do that. You know, whenever you do something, you know, all the time, it becomes sort of common and loses that sheen or that luster. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, going to space is a really big deal. Uh, but I, I thought this was a great article, um, you know, because they came uh, they came back, they, they came through the atmosphere. And of course, this is like the Apollo, uh, where they just, you know, splash down in the ocean, right? Some parachutes to right. deploy, deploy. Um, and then they touch down in the ocean and then a boat comes and picks them up. Right. Same, right. same technology really that we were doing back in the sixties, but you know, it works pretty good and it's, it's relatively low cost. Um, so anyhow, there was some time where they were just kind of bobbing in the ocean before the boat got there. Um, and so they decided to make some phone calls. So they just started calling people at the NASA, um, control center, you know, and they were like, hi, we're Bob and Doug and we're in the ocean. <laughs> Wouldn't that not be the best? That just sounds like a Bob and Doug sound like a, a radio duel. Oh, I, I wish they would have done a podcast from, from the, oh my, that would have been fantastic. That would have been awesome. We're just bobbing up in here in the ocean. No big deal. It's Bob and Doug. But I, that's, I, I think that's I read awesome. somewhere that they were in the ocean for four or five hours, right? Uh, yeah, it's five hours. They were, um, just bobbing up and down the ocean and making these prank phone calls. Yeah, so the, it people. says here, it says, uh, I received one of these calls at the flight director console. It started with an opening line like, hi, it's Doug and Bob and we're in the ocean. <laughs> I think my <laughs> response was, yeah, I can see that. We we know. Uh, Thank you. We, we saw it. That's so funny. So, I mean. But, you, I, but, you know, it's really cool though that they, they can have a sense of humor and they can play out that sense of humor. This, this is pretty serious stuff that they're doing. Oh, yeah. And just doing the things they did out there. These are literally rocket scientists yeah, that are yeah, totally. performing work that are supposed to have no sense of humor, no yep. personality. So this is really encouraging that they're just like, okay, well, you know, we're bored. So let's just pull some old middle school pranks and start calling people yeah. and see who picks up. You know, the one thing that I will say though, is that, um, you know, as good as NASA is with the science, they, they really miss the mark sometimes uh, when it comes to PR, right? Like they miss some huge opportunities. I think the PR they do is good, um, but they do miss yeah. some big opportunities. Like, I mean, they could have, if, I mean, they had to have known that it was going to be a couple of hours, right? That potentially they were going to be bobbing in the ocean. I mean, they could have, you know, ahead of time before the mission worked it out with some radio stations where they call them in, you know, call into the top yeah. 40 or something i mean there there's yeah, a bunch of stuff they could have done with this right oh um, yeah that's cool can you imagine the number of people that would have tuned in for that oh yeah i mean because I, I, I was streaming their lift off and because you could you could watch from like the cockpit as they were lifting off and kind of experience it with them which i don't remember that previously yeah it, you know watching well i mean technology the, the technology's gotten better so we can see this stuff more oh, in real time yeah. you know um, well, they, I mean, they, they literally had like a GoPro a tra- in the yeah. cockpit with them. I mean, how much cooler can you get? And, uh, and I just thought it was exciting. So I'm sorry I missed that. I didn't know they were coming back into the atmosphere. I didn't know they were, you know, going to be floating in the ocean. I really wish they would have done something more with that. That would have been so cool. Yeah. So, so cool. We, we've made the trip once now. Let's see if we can do it again, right? And um, so. it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what this brings uh, forward. But really exciting stuff American going back to space and um you know that puts a lot of people to work and and a lot of uh you know a lot of high tech high tech stuff goes into that so 
Well, it brings about a, a bit of camaraderie amongst the, the nation. Yeah, I think so. It's, a, it's, not a, team in it's not a politically it's a, divisive issue for the most no, part, right? And it's it's pretty you know, exciting. Like, uh, well, yeah, with Columbia and Challenger, when those events happened, it was like 9-11. Yeah. And the country came together. I mean, we didn't know these people, but it was just so such a big deal. We all value what that meant. And and then seeing that, I mean, I got a little teary-eyed watching that space shuttle lift off because mm-hmm. it had been so long and it's just such a cool thing. So yeah. I, I think it really is good for the the attitude of the country. <laughs> yeah, we we need more stuff like this. We need more yes, Bob and do. Doug. We do. We need more Bob and Doug and less working from home. Have you seen the the article that I put I, up? I did. So are you working 48 minutes longer a day? I have no clue. I didn't stop to... I try to watch my time and watch my breaks and try to maintain a sense of normalcy as best I can. And that can be really hard because, you know, now people that um, I have my uh, my desk phone forwarded to my cell phone because not everybody knows, we, you know, that, that I'm working from home. And so when they need me, I just then get a hold of me. Um, but I didn't notice it. Maybe I am. I know I do know I work through my lunches more so than what I did because mm-hmm. I just same here my break in my kitchen, you know, and grab myself whatever I want and run back out or I don't take the time for breakfast like I did. I get myself ready because I still get ready every day like I used yep. to um, I'll get my breakfast and take it back. So I'm not really taking those breaks, but the breaks that I am taking is, hey, mom, can you help me with this? And hey, mom, watch that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, you know, go get the mail and you, you know, thumb through the mail real quick and decide there's nothing there you want to see because it's all bills and that's depressing. <laughs> and so no, I hadn't really noticed it. I just tried to balance it out as best I can. But uh, I'm kind of surprised the study came out so quick, um, but people are working 48 minutes longer during this pandemic from home because they feel guilty. Can you imagine? They feel guilty because they're not driving to work anymore, so they spend that time that they would have been commuting mm. working. Yep. I, I mean, I, I can see that. So this is a Fox News article. Oh. At, and Yeah. Yeah. Fox Business. Fox Business. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I know I'm, I'm working probably – um, you know, I think the big fear with the pandemic was that, uh, you know, people were going to work less at home, you know, they were going right. to work eight, you know, they were going to get paid for eight hours and only work four or something. <laughs> it's interesting. We're, well, we're finding yeah. that the opposite is true, but, you know, I think about if uh-huh. I'm, if I'm at work, um, you know, I'm a fairly sociable person and, uh, a lot of my job involves dealing with people and, you know, yeah. managing people. And so, you know, most of my day at work is spent talking to people or talking about an issue kind of thing. And, um, I I mean, I I definitely think there's more than 48 minute improvement in, um, you know, walking around and being distracted and those sorts of things. So, uh, it's definitely interesting, um, that people are actually working longer than they were, um, when they were in the office. Well, but it's it's not because they're losing track. It's because they feel guilt. They're doing it on purpose. Yeah, out of guilt. It'd be one thing to lose track, but because they feel like they're, they, I mean, I guess people feel like driving to work is part of the job, which, okay, I can probably buy into that. Um, but, you know, there's, I mean, there's something, we, I mean, a lot of us want to work from home. We had that dream of working from home and now we're doing it. It's like, uh, okay. Like, maybe I was I wrong. Perhaps. And I don't, I, I, I like the balance. I would like some time in the office and some time at home because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like you said, uh, I am a people person. I do very well with relationships and people find a comfort zone with me. They're like, Hey, here's my blah, 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 blah thing for the day. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> I don't know you yeah. get out. 
or and you know this um i've mentioned this before on the show that one of my pet peeves is just waltzing into my office and just start yeah you know talking to me as though i was doing nothing but waiting for you to grace me with your presence and that i don't have those anymore i can get into the flow and stay there but i i know myself well enough that i'm like i need to stop and go get something to drink go, go mm-hmm. get a snack and well and um, i mean I, I know for me if i leave my laptop up on the kitchen table because that's where i normally work you know when i'm working from home mm-hmm. and it i mean I, i've done this where you'll pop on and just answer a couple emails or you know you'll yeah. go through some stuff or read a document and then next thing you know you've spent like an extra hour doing work stuff at you know 10 11 o'clock at night when you know normally uh, if i'm working in the office i come home i bring my laptop home with me but it's it stays in the bag and um you know if i have to do emails it's on my phone but uh you know with that thing sitting up there it's tempting to just top back in and get sucked in And I can see that. I can see how the phone would be, you know, it can be annoying to have the phone in your emails, but at least you can check them and kind of prep for the next day. Like, okay, I'm, I know where all that stuff is. I know how to take care of that. So it's like you are ready to go for it. But I, I can see how, I mean, that's, it's easy to get lost into the computer once it's opened and you've got that, you're kind of hooked and hypnotized by the glare of the white screen. It's like, yeah. uh, you know what? They just want this file. I'm just going to VPN real quick. I'm going to grab that file, send it to him. Oh, look, and I can handle these other 13 different yeah. things as well. And next thing you know, um, but well, see, and one thing that I do because um, I didn't want to overwork myself that way by working from home. Um, I have my work laptop and my personal laptop, and I've got a, a, a monitor that I'm my just, you know, I, I use as my main display. So I, I unplug it from my work laptop and I plug it into my, my personal one. So that way, when I come back, if you know, I try to turn something on because I'm so conditioned to the big screen that it's like, oh, I guess I'm gonna work on the little laptop then. What do I have to work on there? Oh, bills. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. I'll go back to the work one. <laughs> oh, can I have work back, please? They don't want me to pay bills there. <laughs> Sorry, I had to grab a drink. So You're thirsty. Good. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder lift and push it's the career workout so you have an article here for career workout that's dealing with acidic attitudes help for your managers yeah Yeah, so there's always oh you know with us it always is we can't find short titles that needs to be our challenge is to find shorter titles because it's so much work people bad. yeah this is (laughs) attitude bad Home good, <laughs> no people. So this article is from HR Morning, which is a new website that I've found. And I'm always looking for fun websites to kind of help boost the professional mentality. You need a new Although hobby. You, I know, I'm so <laughs> boring. I mean, I'm going to get ready to paint my deck if that sounds exciting at all. But uh, you got to go see the article because the picture of the old guy, the old white guy, if we're going to be completely honest, is hilarious. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just, It looks he like a manager look like- out of an 80s movie. I'm thinking nine to five Dabney Coleman, <laughs> but it's not him, but it reminds me of him. Um, I think Dabney Coleman was in that movie now that I think that, but anyway, there's, um, I had to have a difficult conversation with somebody and it wasn't really difficult at all. It wasn't supposed to be difficult. It was a check in. Hey, how's this little thing? Oh, okay. And then I kind of got blasted with, well, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and X, Y, Z things of why this is not going to work for me. And I thought that's not, that's not what this was about at, at all. <laughs> And it was just so very negative and it would be easy to fall into that little trap they were inviting me in Mm -hmm. and fall down that rabbit hole. And it's like, 
no, no, not going to happen. And so I said to this person, as I've said to a few other people, it's fine for you to be ticked off about this. That's cool. There's no reason why you shouldn't be, but it's not going to help the situation. Right. So if you want to take a break and we can talk later, then that's great. And what I really want to say is when you're done throwing your little temper tantrum, let me know. We can, we'll go back to the way things were or whatever, but can't say that at work. It'll be nicer. Mm-hmm. I started doing some working and looking and, and thought, you know, I, I like the term acidic personality. I, you always hear toxic personalities, and but that's so um, conducive with romantic relationships and friendships. So the acidic personality at work sounds a little different, a little more fun, I guess. I don't know. It's it's but, a new word. But the distinction good. here is not the coworker that's overtly mad or pissed off all the time, right? This is more of a slow drip. Yeah, this is a consistent, almost... Um, God, I don't even know how the best way to, I don't have an analogy for it, but yeah, there it's always, it's, it's consistently bad behavior, consistently negative behavior that kind of creates that toxic work environment. So the the article Um, gives some, uh, you know, the article gives some bullet points here, continually find things to complain about and exaggerate the seriousness of coworkers mistakes, spread gossip and start rumors that pit employees against each other talk behind mm-hmm. the coworkers backs and undermine supervisors authority with never ending flow of criticism that stays under the radar. So it's rarely recognized and corrected. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I can see where that's, uh, that's not good. I mean, I, I, I know at work I've run into this, uh, lots of times, right. Where you have somebody who's just kind of low key negative all the time. And, uh, you know, like it says here, maybe do a little bit of gossiping or, but they always manage to fly under the radar. Right. And uh, I think that's the difference here. Yeah. And I think, um, and I guess sometimes if they're, I guess what really is irritating about those kind of attitudes is if they're super talented or super smart or just have an overall good work ethic by their boss's standards. Right. So that when anybody say anything, it's like, ah, yeah, sure. Whatever. You're just, you're just jealous, you know, whatever it is. And you kind of get to that feeling of maybe it's just me, maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean I, I've dealt with people like this at, at my job. And one of the things that really irritates me is when people like this get a pass, they're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, they, they do really good work or they're really smart or whatever the excuse is, but there's always some excuse attached to it. And then when Almost you, justified. it's justified and it's like, is that really right to, to justify somebody being crappy um, only because you think their work is good, which, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of times, uh, I can think of several examples where, um, you know, somebody may, may have impressed a manager above them, you know, but their right. direct supervisor is kind of like, no, that's not how it is at all. Right. Um, you don't know them. That's not my experience with them. Right. What's, what's funny though, is if you're one of those people that doesn't like to speak badly and you don't even want to talk about that person, because it does sound like you're being the person. So it's kind of like feeding into the purpose is you can say, well, you know, there's our, there are certain people out there who do certain things and you try to be as vague as possible. I'm sorry, as possible. And somebody's like, I think I know who you're talking about. And that's exactly true. And you just kind of look like, Oh, I was trying to be as vague as possible. And yet the, 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 the behavior is so strong that everybody else does feel the same way, but nobody else wants to talk. It's like, yeah, there's a bump under the rug. We're just not going to talk about it. Like we know, <laughs> we know there's a name to it yeah. and it's just always going to be there. And it's because they're so good at what they do that certain other people that have the shots to call over them, you know, they're just as vague back to you. You're like, somebody speak up. <laughs> like, 
Can we just let's protest? It's a fun thing now. Let's just all do it. It's trendy. Let's protest. Trendy. Everybody's protest? doing it on the streets. I mean, we're all working from home anyway. Right. Go on the street, deals. We can all have so a walk out at the same time. Just go everybody, check the mail. To the front yard. We'll have <laughs> a mail out. Mail out. So it's it's one of those things too. So how do you? I mean. I think the next question people have is, you know, we're talking about this and we're not getting constructive with it because it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And I know um, for me, I've had two, two specific episodes with two different people from two different um, employers where I didn't go to HR with one and I went to HR with another and I got the same result both ways. It was not much. Yeah. So it's like, God, how do you do it? And so that kind of leads into the whole difficult conversation. It was another article I'd found, but there were so many errors, mm -hmm. um, grammatical that article is like you know what that doesn't look right <laughs> it's probably it looked like my daughter wrote it like, yep. i probably can't use it. but it's one of those things where you, it's almost like instead of going to you know going through the protocol to have it have the situation addressed properly you just go straight to the person and say are you aware that you're kind of a witch to people or you're kind of a jerk or you're kind of a maybe not using those words exactly yeah but I, I don't think people are really receptive to criticism you know, when they're, when they have a attitude like this, I think it's a really difficult thing. Agreed. And that's why when I've, I've done one conversation this way, and instead of saying, did you know, it's like, are you okay? Is anything, anything wrong? Anything, yeah. or, is everything cool? And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, you just know some of these things you're doing. They're like, and it kind of helps them like, oh, now that was that one person. And I think I had the permission to approach them that way, but that's still mm -hmm. a really hard conversation to have so at that rate it's almost like just walk on eggshells it'll be fine it's mm -hmm. fine it's fine yeah i think the no most frustrating thing with all this is is usually they're they're not seen as too much of a problem right so nobody wants to upset the apple cart and really do anything about it yeah especially if they're not hurting the bottom line or not or the organizational goals or team goals are not impacted negatively i think it makes it more difficult to uh, address and and more easy to sweep it under the rug yep, and let it just grow up to a giant, giant bump, sweltering, gross, disgusting bump. Yeah. You know, the only thing worse than somebody being like this is them sort of pairing up and having a twin flame with somebody else that's like this. I've seen yeah. that too. That's hard and because then it's, it's almost like an alliance is built. Who are the dudes from the Muppets? The two grumpy old dudes? I can't remember yes. their names, but that's exactly the kind of dynamic that that I'm talking about. Eat off of one another. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard, and then everybody else on Sesame Street just has to go about their way. Like, yeah, that's who they are, and I don't. I mean, I get I, Sesame Street. It's it's uh, <laughs> the Muppets. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Franchise is mixed up here. <laughs> so mixed up. I just want to be a kid again. I guess. Uh, right. Just go back. They were but, kind um, of funny though, didn't? I <laughs> think they were. They had some good. They had some good one-liners in there. They they would, but they'd be considered abusive on Sesame Street. <laughs> they, so, it's they would traumatize. Not a good idea. Traumatized would. Sesame Street. Elmo would be scarred for life. He wouldn't be dancing and being tickled anymore. He would just flat out be traumatized and seeking therapy. That's probably not a good. But yeah, the article goes on to give some tips and I don't agree with all the tips because it is very much about you statements. And those are really dangerous things to say to somebody who's super negative because that's usually why they're negative. They've been attacked enough times that they're just on the constant defensive. And so yeah. I don't necessarily agree with the way they're wording mm -hmm. things in the tips, but I think there's some really great um, ideas for approaching it with different words, but more from a more concerned mm -hmm. angle 
so that you seem like I'm trying to be nice. Don't bite me, please. Yeah. Please don't hurt me. Don't yell at me. Um, but it's, and also sometimes that's where professional coaching comes into play. It's where, you know, talking with somebody else that is not involved in the situation, doesn't know the person might be able to provide some insight. Uh, because if there's, I know some of the people that I've dealt with in the past, it's usually there's a whole group of people that feel the same way. And all they want to do is see this person have the walk of shame to the front door after talking to HR and being fired. Right. And that's not always the greatest thing. Um, you'd like to give people a chance, but uh, proceed with caution. Yeah. about that? Definitely proceed with caution. <laughs> proceed with caution. Career fail of the week. This, have you seen this? Have I'm just now reading about it and it's oh, a local kind of a local story for us, right? It's up in the Kansas city, it's in the Kansas or no, city yeah, Lawrence Wyand area. Yeah. Uh, Wyandotte County. So that is attached to the Kansas city Metro area. I do believe, but he's got this, I think this guy has got some, um, Oh, some ties to Lawrence. And so what this is, um, I'm so excited to even talk about this, which is stupid. Cause I was like, you are a jerk. Are you kidding me? So this 19-year-old guy, which is cool to see a really young, fresh, talented individual pursue politics, you know? So he is, his name is um, Aaron Coleman, and um, he is the Kansas House Democratic candidate. And I think he's out of Wyandotte County. And so he is... Um, I can't, I can't remember all the terminology we've come up with with people who wear masks, but he is a big supporter of the mask, wearing a mask at all times. Um, I think he's doing it wrong. Maybe he's got a construction mask on. I'm not sure what he's wearing, but mm -hmm. he's got this picture. Um, the article is on the show notes. It's the Kansas Reflector. I'm not familiar with this website, but they, got, they talked with him. They got all his quotes in here. And so apparently he was, um, he is so serious about COVID-19. He is so... Um, so dead set on saving the world that um, he's so frustrated with the Republicans that he'd made some statements about, um, I think he was, one of them was specific to Republican uh, John Whitmer, who is also a Wichita radio talk show host. He said uh -huh. he would giggle if John Whitmer was killed by COVID-19 and that he was hoping let's see if I can find the, the specific. So He's come up with a catchy phrase here. It says "masket or casket" is a factual statement, right? So, yes, I looked at that. My eyes just about popped out of my head. And so like, what, what I don't get here is it. It looks like there's no Republican that has filed to run in this uh, in this area, and so no. basically he's running against another Democrat, and the yes. Democrat saying this guy's an embarrassment to our party. Yep. Because, um, and because nobody of, on the Democratic side is speaking out against him. That's what hmm. this uh, Nick. If you want to try saying that last name, I'll I'll just go with what Ho Ho Heisel. So the, so this guy that's running this Coleman kid who's nineteen has said yep. uh, and addressed uh, the radio host. Is that is that who he's talking about? He says I'm he's going to laugh right and giggle when you get COVID and die. Yes, he was saying was that so in classy. Yep, yep. And then um, he'd also had said something about he was hoping that Republicans in general, and I'm trying to find the quote in the stinking article, if I can just get to it. And if you find it before I do, great. Oh, there it is. Coleman's, and this is, I'm quoting the article right now. Coleman said he was amused by the prospect of COVID-19 spreading among Kansas Republican candidates for benefit Democrats. And I'm, they, there's some wording issues there. For benefit Democrats in the general election. He said that result would be darkly comedic in the way we laugh when someone talking on a cell phone 
while driving gets into an automobile accident. Now, I don't know about you, but I rarely joke about somebody getting into an accident because they're texting. It's more like, oh, crap, that's not cool. I need, I've got to stop texting myself. It's more like a wake-up call, not a, oh, ha, 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 you were texting and, and you got hit and you died. But this kid took it to the level of he's amused by the idea that Kansas Republicans could die so that Democrats could win an election by default, essentially. Hmm. Do you know what that's called? Um, being evil. No, no, no. Where you take pleasure in somebody else's pain. Narcissism. I don't know no, which there's, there's an actual word for it. And oh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to um, butcher up the way you say it, but it's, uh, kiss it. uh it. it's S C H A D E N F R E U D E. Where did you find that at? S E H A D E N F R F-R-E-U-D-E. And it's an actual German word. F-R-E. U-D-E. The reason why it's a. Sigmund Freud. Yeah. But it's a German word, and basically there's no English equivalent. But it's a word in German that means basically like, oh, good for them. They died because. They were texting and drove into the back of that car. Yeah, this dude yeah. is, they need to put his picture in the dictionary by this word because that's, it describes him. But from now, if he wanted to, if, if he's happy with the way the article came out, oh my gosh, that's not, because it, it did not paint him in a pretty light. Yeah. I'm, hoping, <clears throat> I'm hoping. No this news is, is bad news, right? No press is bad press when you're running for politics. Um, I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, I'm not voting for him. Thank God I don't have to. Yeah, but no, did you this see is the, the article though. Is, yeah, this is state level <laughs> politics. So at the end of the, you've got to. There's some things about this kid that's important to know. He's not exactly a fair-minded individual because he okay. said he doesn't have a high school diploma. He completed the requirements of a GED after health issues prevented him from earning the traditional high school diploma. So I'm kind of wondering why we, are we allowed to laugh at him because he couldn't complete something because he had a misfortune just to, you know, kind of play devil's advocate there. But he said, um, he said his challenges in public school resulted from three years of abuse at an elementary. And if you want to know which elementary, read the article, uh, where he was locked in a closet in solitary confinement and damaged neurologically. He said, I'm wow. lucky to be alive and I don't want any child to suffer as I did. And so well, it's, it sounds like he went through a lot of trauma. For I, sure. I want to know the size of that closet first. I'm kind of, I mean, <laughs> The size I'm, of a classroom, maybe. I it's like I don't know. You know, it's, I, I've been bullied, and I've been, I've been one of those kids where the the you know the, the, my bully would punch me in the arm till I got you know gave him my lunch money type of thing. Right. Like, I was, and so it's it's one of those things too where it's like I'm also kind of weak and I'm I'm very thin and yeah, I've always been kind of thin. And so for somebody Whatever. to whatever, well, <laughs> well, back then I was. Weak. I used to be painfully shy, if you could believe that, folks. I was whatever. Pain. I will find people there if they're in listening Dude, in Iowa. They will tell you sell that cheese somewhere else. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know. Just my, my we're my, not they, buying it here. I am dating Bo's at the same thing. He's like, "There's no way." I'm like, "I was the nerdiest kid in school, folks. I didn't always look yeah. like this. I didn't always no, present I, that way." I, I can actually identify with that because in high school I was way shyer than I am now, and it wasn't until 
you know, second year or so of college, I was kind of like, oh, I can come out of my shell now. You know? Right. See, it's possible. But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm betting Coleman doesn't win that seat. And I'm betting this article is going to have a little bit to do with this. So it's, I, I get being able to talk freely, but you kind of want to keep your constituents in mind because not all Democrats are for the COVID standards and stuff. And for yeah. people dying, there's, I, there's I mean, kudos, kudos to him though, being 19 and, and wanting to get into politics, right? Yeah, I mean, awesome. I think that's him. fantastic. I, that I think more, more young adults need to need to take an interest in this because it, do. it does shape our future, you know? They do. I just, they just need to think before they speak maybe, or, I don't know anything, yeah, but well, they'll learn in, in modern media that uh, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion, especially in cancel culture. Yes. Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. And then I have a new purchase that I wanted to review on here. It is the SanDisk 128 gigabyte iExpand flash drive go with SanDisk USB A to C adapter. The SDIX60N-128G-GZFFE. Going to need you to say that five times fast. Oh no, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> but uh, what this is, is a little uh, USB stick. Did we still um, do that? It hasn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. We still use those? I didn't know. Every every now and then. Um, so the, the reason I got this is because, um, you know, I do video and photography. Yeah. And um, so I have an iPhone app now that will sync up with my big camera uh, with what the, what's called time code. And so when I bring the video in to edit it, the time code links up um, the two uh, tracks and so that they're time-wise in the same position, right? So nice. if you're going to do cuts between cameras, it makes it very easy. Um, and then the software, you just go, okay, I want to see this camera now. And then you, you know, let it play and then you click and it can go to the other camera. So, um, but, but syncing up multiple camera views has always been kind of a pain in the butt. Right. Um, so I have this thing on my uh, recorder that records the video for my big camera and it's a uh, it's a time sync uh app or it's not an app it's a time sync piece of hardware um that by bluetooth it, it the phone and this thing communicate and it sends the time signal um, and then it also sends the time signal out to the audio recorder and so when you bring all these files into the computer you can time sync them and they're all lined up for how they should be so it makes it really easy to um you know do do external audio and multiple camera angles and those sorts of things. So, oh, um, cool. but in doing this, I found, you know, cause I was using my iPhone as a camera and there's an app on it that takes fantastic video. Um, but one of the downsides of the phone is, well, how do you get it off? How do you get the media off of the phone? Yeah. Um, and so the app will let you put it in your iCloud files, but then you've got to let it upload. And so when you're talking okay. about video, um, you know, it's easy to get to, eight, 900 megabytes or a gigabyte, you know, video. Uh, and then it just takes a while for it to load. And of course with internet now they charge you for upload and download. You don't have unlimited bandwidth anymore. So, um, you know, I wanted a way to be able to offload the files from the phone without having to, you know, plug it into the computer and, you know, firing up the thing to move the files and, and just wanted something quick and easy. Right. Um, right. So what this is is a USB stick, and it has a USB stick on one side, and you flip it around, and on the other side, it has a little lightning adapter. 
And what's cool about that is you can plug it into the bottom of your phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, and so there's an app that goes along with this. And, and you can plug a USB stick into the phone, but some of them work and some of them don't. But the secret sauce to this one is this SanDisk comes with an application, an app that you can download on your phone. Um, and then you can pass files to that app and then it'll put it on the USB stick like magic. Nice. So um, it's it comes a little adapter for your iPad because my my newer iPad has a USB-C port on it. Yeah. Um, so with this disc, with this little stick, I can both do the uh, iPhone and the iPad uh, uh, separately. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah. So I, I tried it out today. It works pretty good. It's it's reasonably fast. Um you know, it's 128 gigabytes, so it's going to hold quite a few files. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, th I thought this was pretty cool. It's $51, which is kind of expensive for a USB stick, but it is 128 gigabytes, so that's actually a pretty good value. Well, but it plugs um, into your phone. I don't know that too many USB or those jump drives or whatever the fun, funky term is for. I don't think none of all, not all of them do that. Yeah, not, not all of them work. Um, some of them will take too much power and then you just can't use it. Um, the iPhone kind of has a hard time, you know, dealing with external file systems. So, um, this one has the app that makes it really easy and in the, the app, you can also uh, download your pictures and things like that. So there's some cool things you can do. Nice. With it. That's awesome. Very glad you yeah. find that. Uh, yep. That was pretty cool. Uh, and then, uh, the last article I found was on TikTok. Are you a TikToker? <laughs> No, <laughs> in fact, I, am I, not a TikToker. I didn't even know what this thing was until my daughter pointed it out to me. She lives off of it to her. It's like Facebook. So I guess this is pretty popular amongst the younger kids. It's where you can do, um, uh, it's basically, it's a video application. And so you take a video of yourself doing whatever, however, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And then you post it and you get likes and comments and things like that and create these little TikTok pages and, uh, there's some, I've seen some of the stuff my daughter watches. There's some fun stuff on there and then there's some stupid stuff. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with some of the challenges that were out there. Like if you heard about the challenge where you can, there's three of you and are, you know, standing side by side, the two outside people jump up, they convince the middle person to jump by themselves. And when they do, they basically knock their feet off from underneath them and, you know, causing con concussions okay. and that kind of thing. Oh, and great. just real dumb challenges like that. And so this article that I found there is talk about it's it, the article title is TikTok could be influencing future American voters, yet ByteDance founder slams anti-Chinese sentiment abroad. So this is a Chinese-based app, and it's really upsetting a lot of Americans. Um, they're actually trying to get it banned in the U.S. Other countries have banned it, and so the U.S. Um, actually Mike Pompeo is is spearheading this project to have it banned from the U.S. Uh, is, but why are they trying to ban it? Well, there's some um, there's some fear about the security um, that's yeah, available. So, so the interesting thing about TikTok is it basically acts like a vacuum cleaner for your data. Yeah. So if it installs it on your phone, then the app can then access the you know the 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 data on your phone, right? It, right. It'll say all sorts of things like your location and um, you know your patterns on the internet yeah. and all that kind of information gets hoovered up and sent back to guess where China. Right. Um, right. Well, and that's all well and fine for an adult based app, right. For an app that has mostly yeah. an adult user base. But um, the real controversial thing with TikTok is its user base is mainly underage kids. Yes. And so now you have 
bunch of underage kids user data going to another country. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so, uh, it's, it's quite created quite a stir and, and there are several U S companies that are looking to purchase TikTok. That's big in the news this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but, uh, they're saying, you know, that, you know, TikTok could influence, uh, you know, voting in the future, yep. basically like Facebook does uh, and, today. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's completely plausible that, you know, somebody, uh, will see something on TikTok and then become a voter, you know, five or 10 years later. And, and yeah. that certainly leaves an impression on them. So it does. It, it's, it, you need to go on there and look at it. It's really ridiculous because it's not, I have not seen anything serious on there at all. And I, that's, you know, it's internet. Should it be serious? I don't know. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. just something. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is focused towards the younger kids and, yeah. you know, it, it is really popular. That's the thing is it, it just exploded in popularity. And so it did. Uh, I don't know. I, I sort of think that TikTok's going to be one of those things that kind of comes and goes, but uh, we'll, we'll see what comes next. Yeah. I hope it doesn't stay around very long. I don't know. It's just taking up too much of my daughter's time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't let my kids have it just because of the fact that it hoovers up the data and sends it mm -hmm. back to China and nobody really knows who's doing what with that data, you know? Yeah. My, my daughter has been taught not to provide actual real factual data for that very purpose. Yeah. So, well, but, but even if you don't provide it in the app, if there's any other apps on the phone that have actual data, it's hoovering that up too. Oh, good. That's an encouraging. Yeah. I should probably. Fun stuff, huh? Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Good times. <laughs> the best, the best. <laughs> Welcome to media madness. So you have a book here called the infinite game, and this is by Simon Snick. Is that how you say his name? Snick is his name i know well, he's awesome though he is awesome i actually thought his last name was Sinek or whatever but he is he's great i there's nothing he has said that i don't agree with and that's pretty rare for an individual out there but i've read um i follow him i've, I've read some of his books i say some of his books i've read one i'm getting ready to i'm reading this one now and i'm going to read um, leaders eat last because i'm really big on that um but this book is really awesome. I actually pre-ordered this book and I didn't really get into pre-ordering books because I couldn't understand why you did that. And especially mm -hmm. since I didn't understand the timeline of this one, it took me almost a year to get this book because I pre-ordered wow. it. Soon, right. And oh, wow. So I'm detail oriented. I didn't pick up on that one. I was ticked. Anyway, finally got the book, finally started reading it. And so what this kind of goes into is there's two types of games in the world. There's the finite games where you know your players, you know the rules, you know the there's there's a set expectation. So like football, Monopoly basically, yeah, right? Monopoly. Monopoly's a finite game. There's yep. you can only go so far, there's some boundaries, there's some rules. There's a definite way to kind of game it a little mm -hmm. bit, but definite there's not winner. a lot of way to bend the rules. Right. right. And and in my I mean, let's be clear, every board game we all bend rules in our own households. But the point sure. is is that there's the point of the game is to win. It's to end the game. It's finite in that fashion. And Simon Sinek in his book, he uses football and chess as those examples, which are great. But when he talks about the infinite game, that's where the players may be known, they may not be known. There's really no set of rule. I mean there are rules, but you can break them. You got to accept the consequences and that's if you get caught. It's um, one of the it's just one of those things where you're you think you know what you're getting into and it turns out you really don't. And so he likens that to business and life and trying yeah. to try and get that mentality of, you know, to how to see life and business in a different way. And it, it really goes if you're a strategic um, business person, if, if part of your if um, 
if part of your role is, is in strategy, this is a great book to read because it really does bring about some ideas that you probably wouldn't have thought of before. You know, business, you kind of, you don't realize it's an infinite game. Any Anytime you start up a company, the idea is to keep it going and to not right. see it fold or to see it end. And so mm -hmm. that's where he's going with this. And one of the things I remember, I've seen him talk on this book several times. And so I remember him talking about how looking at your competitors as being evil is, you know, pretty typical and it's okay. But the more constructive way to look at it is you're never really winning in business. You're just either ahead or you're behind or you're barely sure. keeping up. Because there's no finish line, right? Right, I there mean, isn't. And you don't want one in business because if you hit the finish line, that means game over. Everybody and, goes home. Yeah, and you don't want that. And so he talks about how um, competitors are supposed to make you better. They're supposed mm -hmm. to encourage you with their ideas to come up with the next set of ideas. And it's kind of like a back and forth thing. And so um, I just started the book. I'm, I'm in chapter one. and uh, But I had remembered how much um, he just he just speaks so he's genuine and his ideas are pretty sound. I haven't seen anything from him. I didn't absolutely love. And he's easy to listen to even during this COVID stuff where um, he wanted to play into the optimistic idea of it's going to be fine. It sucks now, mm -hmm. but it will be fine. Right. It's part of the game. This is yeah. as you don't, this is, this is one of the roles that we didn't know were there and now we get to deal with it. So um, it's, it's going to be a really fast read because I'm going through it pretty quickly or I didn't, I mean, I just got started on it and it's already flying, but if you're not familiar with Simon Sinek, check him out. He is just one of those. He's um, basically your consultant. Not a, he's not really a motivational speaker. He just speaks it like it is, but he can mm -hmm. do it in such a way that it's, you get it. It makes sense and, yeah. you, and you want to be a part of it. So highly recommend it. And I'm not sounds like something we should review. Sounds like something we should review on a podcast called Biz and Mayhem. Right? Maybe. Could be, that'd be worthwhile. Yeah, this this definitely is going to go on my queue to read. Yeah, it's I'm For it's sure. awesome. So I'll have to. I have the book. Maybe I'll let you borrow when I'm done with it. Okay. Okay. What have you got? What did you bring to the table with your media madness? So I've got a book here that uh, I'm I'm partly way through, but uh, you know my work with the uh, uh, my work with National Parents Organization uh, allowed me to interview the author of this book, and her name is Dr. Linda Nielsen, oh, yeah. and she's done a bunch of research on father daughter relationships. Um, so she's wrote uh, I think she said five books, but this book is Improving Father Daughter Relationships: A Guide for Women and Their Dads, uh, and this is sort of her newest book. Oh, wow. um, so she's, she, you know, in the interview that I did with her today, which will be coming out and I'll, I'll post the link when it gets posted. But, uh, you know, she did say that there is a lot of research about moms and daughters. Yep. Um, there's a lot of research about dads and sons, but there's not a lot of research about father daughter relationships. Right. Um, which, and, and specifically, um, the researchers have kind of highlighted that, you know, yeah, there is a gap here that exists. So she kind of goes over the research um, and talks about how moms can be gatekeepers for the father-daughter relationship and how that can be harmful. Um, yeah. And so it's uh, the, the audience, though, is, is basically for uh, women and for dads, right? So, right. Um, and she said specifically her, her target audience for women is um, some, you know, um, a lot of older women, right? So yeah. uh, women that are in their 40s and their 50s and they want to reconnect with their dad, um, she said what she found was a lot of uh, a lot of women that are adults uh, end up regretting not having a deeper relationship with their father. Mm -hmm. And in uh, this book kind of talks about 
um, how you can facilitate that and those sorts of things. And so, and she, you know, notes that uh, a relationship with a dad or, you know, a relationship with a daughter, um, I mean, it, it goes throughout your entire life mm -hmm. and, and, you know, until the, the dad passes away or, uh, and so, um, you know, and she gets into talking about what are the benefits of having a good relationship and how, um, you know, not having a good relationship can negatively yeah. impact both the, both the dad and their, and the daughter. So, uh, nice. really interesting book. It's a, it's a pretty easy read, 168 pages. Uh, and she's, she's got a wealth of knowledge. She's done a lot of research in this area. So, um, you know, if you're a dad or you're a daughter and, uh, you know, you got any interest in this sort of thing, it's a fantastic book. Nice. That's awesome. So you're probably finding it useful for you and your daughter then. Yeah. And I told Dr. Nielsen today, I said, you know, uh, you know, my daughter's at the age where she's bumping up on those teenager years. Right. And uh -huh. so she, her personality is kind of going through a shift and the way that she interacts with me is kind of going through a shift. And it's been interesting to, to observe that. And, uh, you know, uh, but my biggest thing is I just, you know, I want her to be there for, you know, want to be there for, uh, but she says, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of dads get kind of in this loop of they're just, you know, they're there to protect and provide. Right. Right. Uh, but there's this whole other emotional connection that, that needs to be made. I, I agree with that as a, obviously I'm a daughter. Um, and I know my dad growing up was my rock. Um, he's always the person I turned to. He I just, I look to him as being the core of all knowledge and, um, safety and security, you know, and he always made it clear he was going to, you know, take care of his kids and, um, right. you know, like any guy does when you have a, a female in your life that you're very partial to, you want to do, you know, you go to the extra mile to show I'm here, I'm your security, I'm your safety, you know, I'm your security blanket and your safety person. And, and so that's, uh, um, and he's, a, you know, I call my dad once a week and check in on him, make sure he's doing fine. Cause he's getting up in age and, you know, he's not right. the best of health. And, um, but he was always that person that I could have those open talks with you know, growing mm -hmm. up and, you know, he, he didn't, there, he always made some space where he didn't judge. And no, he, there was areas where he wasn't comfortable with and in like the typical guy, he'd make those jokes that are not cool for a female to hear, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. that's what it's like, here, pull my fingers. Like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm just gonna, we're, <laughs> and I'm out. We're done. <laughs> but I, um, I think that's one of the things that, and I'll have to read this book to see if she agrees with me on this one. I know when I was uh, in my early thirties, I was talking to my dad and he's talking about how, when, you know, his kids all were about 25 when they realized, you know, he's a pretty smart guy. And he said, you guys, that's about the time you guys grew up. I'm like, no, that, no, that had nothing to do with us growing up when we realized how smart you were. And he's like, well, what was it? I'm like, you became relatable. You finally telling us, you told us the truth about your past and you weren't the perfect yeah. kid. And, you know, you painted yourself into this perfect, you know, picture of perfection for us when we were growing up. And he's like, well, yeah, I didn't want you to make the same mistakes I was going to make. I'm like, but we did anyway. And do you know why? And he's like, because <laughs> you didn't no. tell us about it. Why? And I'm like, because we came to you to figure out what if we do this really stupid thing? Did you do this? And if so, how'd it turn out for you? Because we trust you. And he's like, yeah. oh, that's what, okay. I didn't see that. I'm like, no, clearly yeah. we were, we were trying to gauge the kind of trouble we were going to get into or the kind of drama we were causing for ourselves. This was not about, you know, tell us how cool you were. It's like, tell us how stupid you were so we can avoid that. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, Oh, <laughs> I wish I had known that then I would have been more honest with you sooner. It's like, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. You would have been, that's what we were looking for is, 
is is this going to be as bad as we think it is or will it be as cool as we think it is it was never as cool as we ever thought it was gonna be god thanks a lot dad love you <laughs> love you dad so yeah if you're interested in this uh, sort of thing improving relationships and uh, you know she also said that the uh the book would be relatable to somebody who's a mom or a stepmom too so oh cool uh, yeah so so some good stuff in here yeah very cool well we've had quite the show what do you think should we bring it to a closer i think we should bring it to a closer we should so we really appreciate everybody listening to these this episode of Biz and Mayhem podcast. And if you like us in the episode, show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes. And don't forget to send us a few bucks on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because we love doing this, but it's not free. So we need some help. Um, to get the show notes for this episode, head over to the bizandmayhem.com website. And that's B-I-Z-A-N-D-M-A-Y-H-E-M.com. Look for season one, episode 11. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So until next time, have fun to mayhem. Bye.